0: This morning, we're going to continue in a series uh, that we're, we're in. We've got a couple more weeks here, but just to kind of, if you, if you haven't been attending, if you're here for just, you know, to come for, to celebrate this day with either your mother or your uh, a child getting dedicated, we're in a series called The Seven Greatest Words of Love, and it's, we started it before Easter, and it's focusing on the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. In Jesus's when he was going through the whole trial and crucifixion and all those things, he never really spoke hardly at all. There was only a few words that were recorded, and when you look at the words that, that were recorded that he spoke from the cross, some of them seem kind of odd. You know, like uh, last week we talked about, I am thirsty, and it's just like, what, what, you know, why would they record that, you know? But as we looked at that and explored that, it really communicated and demonstrated the humanity of Jesus. Jesus was 100% God, he was 100% man. That, had, that has and has, had and has extreme implications on you and I as Christ followers, we looked at other passages like uh, "forgive them for they don't know what they're doing," uh, and then some other ones that we we were looking at. But today we're going to look at um, um, uh, some of, some some more words that he spoke. Just three words, which we will get to here in a minute. Which which is really it is finished. Those words, those three words. Now a lot of things in our lives will go unfinished, right? There's a lot of things in our lives that we want to get done, but it's just inevitable that some things are going to go unfinished. In fact, um, you know, you've probably heard the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Those things that we're going to get to, that thing that I was going to do, or whatever, I was going to get to this, I was going to get to that, in our lives, we all are going to have some unfinished business when we die. There's only one person, of course that's Jesus Christ, there's only one person who ever lived their entire life and finished every single piece of business, they came to accomplish, and that was Jesus. And in John chapter 4, verse 34, he says this, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me, meaning the Father, uh, the will of Him who sent me, and to finish His work. In John 19, verse 30, if you would turn there with me, uh, you can turn there with me, or we can just, I can just tell you what they are, because I already said it. Jesus said, it is finished. In chapter 4 of John, when he's meeting with uh, the Samaritan woman, which was, a, which was an absolute major cultural taboo at the time, uh, he was talking to, the, talking to this woman while his disciples went into town to get food. And they come back and they're saying, man, why are, you, why are you talking to this woman? Why are you doing this? You know, you need to eat and all this stuff. And Jesus said, I've got food. And of course, they're thinking of physical food, but Jesus is thinking of spiritual food, and, he's, and, and that's what prompted Him to say, My food is, is the will of, of Him who sent Me, and to finish His work. Later on in the cross, as He's hanging there, dying for your sins and my sins and for the sins of the whole world, Jesus says three words and says, It is finished. The most important words ever spoke, ever said, ever. It is finished. How is it most important? Because the irony at that, t- at that moment, no one understood what, really what it meant. I mean, you had the Roman soldiers that were standing around probably thinking, this is awesome, finally this radical revolutionary is done. Finally, it's done. He is done. We don't have to listen to this anymore. We're done with it. The religious leaders thought, this is great, our competition's over. No longer is this guy going to expose us and make us look bad in the eyes of the people. It's done. He's dead. It is finished. Pilate, the governor who tried him, uh, said, my, "You know, probably thought my political headache is finished." Remember, he was more concerned about what the people thought and what Rome thought than, than uh, essentially what God thought, because he wasn't really a follower of, of of God. But Pilate, the governor, probably thought, "You know, it is finished. It's great. The headache's done." The disciples probably thought, "This is crazy. Everything we put our lives onto, into, it's done. It's gone." It's finished. Now what? The devil thought I won. I absolutely won. I finally have been able to put down the one that could cause me the most grief and and whatever, you know, supper whatever, death whatever, whatever the de- but it is finished. The son of God is finished. But the point of it is this. Jesus didn't say, it is finished. He said, I am finished. Uh, the next slide said, he, it, it, he didn't say, it is finished. He said, I am finished. And if you remember, Jesus made the claim too, that no one would take his life from him, but he would be the one that would, put his, that would set his life, that would give his life up. Now, when we look at this, this, this I am finished, in the Greek, there's a word, uh, telesteia, Uh, And it's used about five different ways uh, relating to what Jesus actually accomplished on the cross. Five different ways, okay? A servant would say to his master this word, which meant, hey, the task that you gave me, I'm done with it. I finished it. It's completed. It's telestia. telestia. I'm done. It's it's finished. A judge might say it in a judicial terms. Uh, He might say, justice has been served. It's done. Justice has been served. It's been accomplished. An accountant might say in his business, the debt has been paid in full. It's finished. In fact, they even found some, some of this writing on ancient papyrus uh, stamped on tax receipts and things like that. This word meaning it's done. It's paid. It's finished. It's pa-. An artist might say it uh, because the final stroke is done. The masterpiece is finished. A priest might say it to say the sacrifice... Has been made. The sacrifice for our sins has been accomplished. Has been made. This single word sums up, literally sums up the whole life of Christ. This is Christianity in a nutshell. This this whole concept of it is finished. What Jesus did. What Jesus finished on the. You know. What did he finish on the cross? What he. What did he complete? What did he accomplish? We're going to look at five things here very quickly. Number one, he fulfilled the the uh, what the promise. He fulfilled what the Father's promise was to us, and I know that slide doesn't make sense. I looked at it after it was already loaded up, and I couldn't do anything about it. Okay, it's just there to get your attention. All right, so don't email me. I already know. All right, He fulfilled what the Father's promise was to us. Okay, last week we talked about this. We talked that there's over you know over 380 Old Testament prophecies. There's all in the, just in the Old Testament alone that Jesus fulfilled. Also, there's hundreds of promises that God the Father has made. Um, in the Old Testament, we get this partial glimpse of God's plan, uh, but Jesus actually completes that picture. If you would study the Old Testament through those lens, you're going to see that the Old Testament was, it, it just, complete, just continues to point to Jesus Christ the Messiah. That's, even the Satan knew this. Even the devil knew this. Throughout the Old Testament, you see Satan trying to provide counterfeit messiahs and saviors, trying to put away the real messiah and the savior. But uh, up until Jesus, even through Jesus' birth, we read about Herod even uh, trying to kill all the uh, male children uh, or all the children of you know, a certain age under because Satan's behind it trying to keep this messiah from coming into the world. It what It didn't happen. God's plan was fulfilled through the work of Jesus on the cross. Listen to what Luke says in chapter 24. He says, Jesus, he records this. Jesus said, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20 on the screen here, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. Did you know that Amen literally means yes? When we say Amen, we're agreeing to the prayer. We're agreeing to what is being said. Someone prays and we say Amen. It's saying that I agree with you. I, I, I confirm, I affirm what you're saying. It's a yes. And this yes ascends to the glory of God. Paul says all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. One of the things that happened when he said it is finished was Jesus fulfilled the promises of the Father. The promises that He makes to you and I as believers. The second thing He did was, or this meant, or demonstrated, was that it satisfied the Father's justice. God is a God of order. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. He's a God of justice. He's a God of fairness. He's a God of love. The universe works off the laws or because of the laws that God has established. That's why when Paul wrote about... uh, Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 where he said he had to lay aside some of his godlike attributes, that's what he was talking about. He could no longer be at more than one place at one time or some of these other things that he enjoyed while he was in heaven. But he had to, he had to be a part of, he had to come and be subjected to the laws of the universe. That's how God designed it. The laws of physics, the laws of chemistry, mathematics, uh, the laws of uh, you know, the physical, the spiritual, the moral. God gave His moral laws to Moses and the Jews to share with the Word. The problem is this, guys. You and I as humans can't keep God's laws. That's the problem. That's the crux. That's what started this whole mess to begin with when Adam created that, 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 that when he sinned and then everyone after, the, after him inherited this sin nature. We're separated from God. Which means there is no way that you and I can keep the laws of God. We're unable and cannot keep His laws. Romans 8, 3-4, listen to what Paul says. The law of Moses couldn't save us. The law that was given back in the Old Testament could not save us because of our sinful nature. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent His own Son in a human body like ours. Except that ours are sinful. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the requirement of the law would be fully accomplished for us, with no longer we uh, who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the Spirit. You see, Jesus was the only person that could ever keep God's laws completely. He was the only one. That's why His sacrifice on the cross is so critical to Christianity. It's it's what everything hinges upon uh, in Christianity. Not just not just him dying on the cross, but him raising from the dead, indicating that he was the perfect sacrifice to forgive us of our sins. We can't we can't uh, we're unable to keep uh, uh, to keep God's laws. But with the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we're able to do that. The second thing is this: justice requires a penalty to be paid by unbelievers. When we break a penalty. Uh, and, and especially with God, there is a, there, justice has to be done. The question through the whole Old Testament, we look back in times, we'll say this, and I get, I get where we're coming from. I do, I get it. But many of us will say, man, there's so much blood in the Old Testament. Why did there have to be so much blood? Because justice had to be served. When you think about it, God's the one that was wronged. When you think about it, God is the one that was wronged through sin. Justice had to be served. There, there was a debt that had to be paid, just like in the world we live in today. You do something, you break a law, hopefully, well, hopefully not you, but just so I say someone else, because I know all of you never break the law, right? But justice has to be served. Someone can't walk off scot-free after they've done something horrific or whatever, or broke, broken the law. We want justice to be served. But when it comes to God, it's like, whoa, 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 I thought you were a God of love. He is a God of love. But He's also a God that's been done wrong to. There was a justice that had to be paid. Listen to what Hebrews says in 5.9. It says this, After He was perfected, he became Jesus became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey Him. So we're able to now live a life that, that when God looks at us, He sees His Son's righteousness inside of us. Romans 10.4, Paul writes and says, Christ ended the law so that everyone who believes in Him may be right with God. He was able to make that, uh, the justice be fulfilled. There were three kinds of law in the Old Testament. Legal laws, the nation of Israel, they had legal laws just like we do. Ceremonial laws, which is how they worshipped and how they went about worshipping. And then there was moral laws, which still apply to us today, such as murder, adultery, lying, and things like that. Those laws... Have been fulfilled through Jesus and through his Spirit, we're able to uh, live a life of righteousness as, he, as God sees, the Father sees us. The next thing that happened uh, through him saying, It is finished, is that our debt has been paid. Your debt has been paid. There was a debt that, that was owed to God. It there was there was a again, like the whole, like we talked about with justice, but when you, when you own something to, 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 or you owe something to everyone you've hurt, if you've offended someone or sinned against someone, there's a debt to be paid. But you're even in deeper debt with God, especially if, you're, if you don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You still have a deeper debt with God, but, and you're never going to be able to repay it by the nature of that debt. But Jesus paid that for you. That is such a huge moment of celebration. Let me tell you something. Let, let, let me tell you how excited you would be. For those of you us that may not be living debt free, what would happen if you got a call this week from the bank or all of your creditors? You got a call, and they said, "This. Just want to let you know, all of your debts have been wiped clean." How many of you would be depressed? How many of you would say, "Oh, oh I guess. All right, I guess." I don't even know why I had the debt to begin with. It's your fault that I had the debt. You lended me the money, so it's really your fault. That's kind of how we do Some You would be ecstatic, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be like, I'm debt free. I'm absolutely debt free. And some of us are a little bit older and wiser. We'd be like, I'm not going back there ever again. (laughs) It's like, I'm debt free. The burden, the load would be off our shoulders. Do you realize the debt that was paid for you when Jesus said, it is finished we no longer have this those of us that have placed our faith and trust in jesus christ that have accepted his free gift of, of of grace and salvation our debt has been obliterated we got the phone call you got the phone call that says you no longer have a debt and especially a debt that you could never repay it's gone and it's through the blood of, and sacrifice of jesus christ paul says in colossians 1:14. He talks about, Jesus says, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. The next thing is this, when he said it is finished, he defeated the fear of death. We just sang a couple songs that as I, we were singing them, I'm like, these are so powerful. These songs are so powerful. Uh, uh, talking about fear and how we, don't know, we no longer have to live in fear. You see, we have this, there, there is a thing like universal fear. But Jesus broke the power. Jesus broke the power that that had over us. It was, it was this battle cry, this shout of victorious conquer? when he said, it is done. We no longer have this fear that hangs over us that says, you know, we have a debt or this justice has to be paid or I'm in the wrong and I'm separated from God. That's no longer there any longer when he said, it is finished. Romans 5.17, Paul writes and says, the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us. That's fear. Whether you would say, well, I don't really think about that. There's this fear that is in us when we're separate from God because it's, it's hanging there. There is a death penalty hanging over us. Uh, many people don't realize it. And that's when a lot of people go to counseling and you try to explain things to them to say, this is why you're struggling so much is because you have this hanging over you, um, But Paul says, The sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over us, but all who receive God's wonderful, gracious gift of righteousness will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews will go on to write this and say this, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one thing, or the one holding the power of death. That is, the devil... Next screen there. The devil and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. I get that. I've said this before. I get that we're human. But there's some of us, we live in complete denial. Absolute complete denial when it comes to this right here. Well, I don't think about death. I don't think, you know, we may deny the, you know, we may say, well, I don't know about the whole Jesus thing, you know, there's multiple ways, you know, there's, you know, what about these other, these other, you know, these other religions and faiths, how can they be wrong? I would say this, uh, just real quickly, and I've shared this with you before, tell me one other religion where God came and was the Messiah, was the Savior for you. Tell me one other religion where the God said, where God came and said, I will take care of your debts. I will release you from the fear, the bondage of fear. I will give you righteousness. I will give you love, grace, salvation, I will give you eternal life. Tell me one other religion that, that says that through grace versus what you have to do. And in hopes that when you see the God, that God that you're worshiping, that you're in right standing with Him in that moment. Guys? We can be in right standing with God right now and know that we're in right standing and not have this sense of fear, not have this sense of doubt, not have this sense of uh, insecurity about things, but with confidence we can know that we are a child of God and that we have the righteousness of His Son. I get that we're human. I get that at times our minds take us into different places because that's exactly what Satan wants, wants us uh, wants, uh, to, to, for Satan to happen. But here's the next thing that happens. The last point I want to share with you is this. He destroyed Satan's power to control you. Some of us as Christians do not get that point. Some of us continue to work for our salvation. Some of us continue to serve out of obligation. Some of us continue to do things like we think we have to do these things uh, instead of it being a blessing where we're where, where, where expressing our love back to God, saying, God, you, 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 because I'm an object of your love, my life is in your hands. I give you control. I give you my life, and we can live in a state of, 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 of blessedness, a state of contentment and fulfillment, because Jesus destroyed Satan's power to control us. We sang another song. One of the other songs we talked about or sang was about, was about Satan's uh, ploys and how he uses two ploy, how he has two, uh, two weapons that he uses. He uses arrows of temptation and he uses arrows of condemnation. Those are two of his greatest weapons. Okay, Colossians one thirteen says this: He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Let me tell you something: Satan knows your bullseye. Satan knows every single one of our bullseye. He knows mine. He knows yours. Well, however you want to, whatever analogy you want to use, we could use a. Uh, I've heard people use like this, like a piano, the strings of a piano. He knows what string to pluck, where it just vibrates this fear through you, where you just have the, all this doubt, you just kind of cave in to, 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 to Satan's uh, temptation, condemnation, and Satan just makes you miserable. He knows what to shoot at. If you've had a rough upbringing, that's your bullseye. He's going after that every single time. If someone has offended you and you're still carrying that around and it's developing bitterness and things like that within your life, Satan is shooting arrows at that every single day to confirm what you believe, which is a deception and it's a lie. Jesus, when he said, it is finished and we have his salvation within us, we've received that free gift of grace and salvation. We are no longer held in bondage. You are no longer held in bondage. Those thing those are lies completely. You have been freed. The Father views you through the righteousness of his son Jesus Christ. You are one of his children now, and you can now live even before eternity. You now can live in this sense of God's kingdom because you are a child of God. The next one's condemnation. How many times does Satan continually condemn us? Oh, you did this, you did that. You did this back in your past. You've done this. How do you get away with this? How do you, you know, how do you say that you're this person when you know you did this? Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 2:15. Paul says this, Jesus, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed, he triumphed over them or over them by him. God has put it to, to it's finished. It is finished. Satan no longer has control over you. If you have the if you have Christ's salvation living inside of you and you're a child of God, you are not a child of Satan. You're not part of his, part of his family. You are a child of God and all of these things have been rendered have been rendered powerless over you. The problem is Satan goes right here on us. It's all a mind game. It's all a mind game for us. And Satan comes in and drops his seeds, plants his little seeds of deception, and if we're not careful, and we don't know the truth, we still live in a life that appears as if we're still controlled by the, by the powers, by the, by the rulers and authorities that he disgraced. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. Jesus, when He was on the cross, says three words. It is finished. It's finished. Do you believe that? It is finished. It is finished. As the worship team comes back, we're going to close with one last song. And as we close, I would would just invite you to, to respond the way the way God the Father would want you to respond? Do you struggle with some of these things that we talked about? Do you understand that these things, that that, that they're finished? That you're a child of God? If you have have that that free gift of grace and salvation, do you realize that you're a child of God? You're no longer subjected to these these powers and, and rulers of the darkness, but you are certainly a child of God. If you've never taken that step and, and, and received the free gift of grace and salvation that Jesus is offering you this morning, I believe 100% that His Spirit is in this room right now drawing you, pursuing you. I believe that's the heart of God. I believe that God loves, I believe in John 3.16 so much that He doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He doesn't want anybody to live in a state of, of uh, separation from Him in a Christless eternity. But yet He pursues us. Again, we will buy into Satan's deception and say, well, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand who I am. I don't really need to understand who you are or what you've done. I understand who Jesus is and what He has done. It is finished. Maybe today's the day uh, you hand over the keys of control to, to Christ and say, here's my life. I submit to your Lordship. I submit to your Lordship and maybe today's the day you say, it is finished. It is finished for my life. I'm done with it. It's yours. And that goes for even believers. Believers, how many times do we sometimes go off the path, go off the reservation, and end up experiencing things that was not what God has designed for us or what God has planned for us. But maybe today's the day that we get back on track. That you get back on the path and say, God, I, I'm off, man. I'm off. Please, fill me again. Just just continue to fill me let me overflow with your with your grace and love and righteousness use this song as a time of response that's between you and god's spirit but i would ask that you would just use this moment as we close would you stand with me let me lead us into a word of prayer father it's so easy for us as humans to be distracted it's so easy for us to allow satan we don't even know it But Satan uses all kinds of things within our lives to distract us, to get us off point, to deceive us. But today I pray that with clarity, crystal clear clarity, we would understand what it truly means when you said, it is finished. You weren't finished. But you fulfilled everything that you were sent to do. You were faithful. You were the perfect sacrifice. May we understand the implications of those three words. I pray today that as the Spirit moves in this room, that people would let down their guard, people that need to find you, people that need to see that you've been pursuing them your whole life, or their whole life, I mean. Father, I pray for them. I pray that this might be the day they would drop the guard and they would submit to your Lordship. For believers in here that are not excited. They're not celebrating, they're not excited, they're distracted too because they've gotten off point. I pray today might be the day they would be rejuvenated. They might be refilled. Their passion, their cup of passion might just overflow again for you. And I pray for those that are following you hard, that are celebrating in here this morning and I ask that they would just pray out to you for your spirit to have freedom within this room. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your sacrifice. And we just pray all this in your most powerful name.